Welcome to the Facebook Sisters, as we are talking about the book of Ruth. Um, we, ha- we are in the very end of chapter three, um, is where we are. And yesterday, we read all the way through 3.16, um, but we are going to back it up a little bit. And we are going to go back to verse 14 today, um, and then talk through the end, just because we feel like it kind of ties up some things, maybe some loose ends that we um, are finding as we're going to talk about the end of chapter three. And we, if you remember, we are up to the point where Ruth has gone in the middle of the night and laid at the feet of Boaz and um, to kind of position herself as a petition to the kinsman redeemer. Does that make sense? Yep. She started the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She started the process. Yes. And my dog agrees. I don't know if you can hear him barking in the background. (laughs) So then I'm going to read Ruth 3, 14 through 18. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured in into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for this man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Okay. So what I like about that is there is this need to wait patiently, but only for a day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just, when you were reading I was like oh yeah I could do a day yeah okay <laughs> it's it's harder to wait when I have no time at the end I have no mm-hmm. no idea how long I'm going to need to wait yeah so we have that privilege of knowing that it's only a day but she didn't she, she didn't, didn't know, know how long I mean Naomi's just saying it's just going to be a day but he's going to go quick but she didn't have any way of knowing when Boaz was going to go yeah. Right. She says he won't rest until the matter is settled. But do you think she knows that? Like, she doesn't know that he's going to go hunt anybody down and, like, shake him for a straight answer, like, that day, you know? Okay. She's like, She's I think it's more a, a figure of speech. Yeah. I don't know. It says, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Is the way my version yeah, but how could, how could Naomi know that he was going to do it today? Unless it's a prophetic. The same way we know Jesus does it, because she knew who Boaz was. And that's mm. how she knew it would get settled. Mm. 
That's my thinking on it. That you're thinking on? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you guys. But I mean, this is something that um, he wanted to have happen too. He was pretty anxious about it. Not anxious, but um, intent. He had intention with it. So anyway, I think it's just a day. <laughs> well, I have a comment um, in my commentary that says, Naomi implied that Boaz would follow through with his promise at once. He obviously had reputation for keeping his word and would not rest until his task was completed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, whether the Lord gave her a word of knowledge or oh, not. I see. You know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. I just definitely not something to a hill to die on. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No. Yeah. I agree with that. Although it sure would be nice when we're waiting on God, if he would just say, Hey, just give me one day and I'll get this figured out for you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. right. Like he showed a lot of intention when he gave her the barley. He goes, no, mm-hmm. this will be full. This will be, full. you know, I, I think there was a big message in that barley mm-hmm. uh, when he gave it to her. Um, that she's coming back again. We talked about it, that she came back and she was empty, but now she's full. This is going to happen. He's trying to send messages, trying to be real clear as much as possible. He's got to be careful because there's another kinsman, possible kinsman redeemer in the picture. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that yeah. part um, about where they were talking um just in 14, so that she laid his feet in, until morning, but he but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. We also hear things in the commentary that this was part of the culture. It was okay that she did what she did. That wasn't a problem. And I'm trying to put the two together. So I'm thinking Boaz did have a plan. And I think he knew who the other guy, he did. He knew who the other guy was and he did not want to show his hand before he was ready to put the whole thing in, in place. And he didn't want, if she was seen at the threshing floor, um, word could get back to the other guy. I I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. That's all. My thought is that people didn't necessarily, like if you don't know the whole story, you are inclined to fill in the blanks with whatever it is that you want to fill them in with. Mm-hmm. And so if people see her leaving there, they don't know what she did there. Right. And so there is just the slightest possibility, actually probably a pretty good possibility that people could fill in the blanks with something that's scandalous because we all know that people love to talk about scandal more than purity. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think he told her that just, so that he would, they would both be 100% sure of maintaining her reputation and that there wouldn't be even a hint of scandal with it. I agree. Oh, I, I was thinking that maybe, um, I don't know, do women go to the threshing floor at all? Maybe only mm-hmm. you know, you know, a certain type of woman goes to the threshing floor where all the men are, you know, are hanging out. It's, Is it it's, improper to be there? Are the guys going to be like, hoisting up their pants and showing their legs or maybe have their shirts off or something. And a woman should not be around that. 
Boy, that just scared me when you were saying hoisting up their pants. And all of a sudden, I was like, wait, what are you talking about now? Where are we going here with this, Terry? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, yeah. lifting up from the center and tucking into I their understand. belt. The yeah. Good working. It took me a while. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I wonder, like, if women just didn't come to the threshing floor, it would have been okay if he was the kinsman redeemer for her. But he wasn't. There was this other guy there. She didn't know it, right? So I think he was protecting her. I think that was a part of it. Like, it would have been okay if, for her to ask that of her kinsman redeemer. Okay, I'm just going back to these crazy Israelites and all their culture stuff. <laughs> it's like, no, just not knowing the culture, not knowing their culture, really, mm-hmm. it matters. It's important to know that. So, but Absolutely. I think- okay. So I looked up the definition of kinsman redeemer because we keep going back to that and we haven't really defined, excuse me, we haven't really like defined exactly what it is. And I found this on BibleStudyTools.com and it's under the Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. So for any of you who want to look that up directly from there, the kinsman redeemer is defined as a male relative who, according to various laws found in the Pentateuch, had the privilege or responsibility to ask for a relative, excuse me, to act for a relative who is in trouble, danger, or need of vindication. Hmm. So it was always, the, obviously, the kinsman redeemer was always a man, but, um, it, and it was a relative. Mm-hmm. But you're right, like, and she knew that he fell under all of this, this category, but she didn't realize that there was another intermediary kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. Someone who was closer to her, who had the first rights to be the kinsman redeemer, because like, there's a lot of property exchanged, and he could make some money off of her lands. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good deal for him, certainly monetarily, often it was. So all so this is only a temporary owning right. sa- sale of her property because mm-hmm. the year of Jubilee, everything goes back to her, right? But it's an opportunity. Family. Yeah, it's an opportunity for the head of the clan to make money um, off of this land and to support. This gives money to Naomi and Ruth. Right. Uh, it, it's to support those who can't take care of themselves. This was like an early welfare system in some ways that God set up to care for the poor. And we covered that a couple um, episodes ago, but mm-hmm. yeah. How, so there's a couple things when we talk about this, we talk about how Boaz is like Jesus in so many ways, mm-hmm. like he's a kinsman redeemer. And so what are, what do you think are some of the qualities that a kinsman redeemer needs to have? Well, obviously a willingness. Yeah. 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 How about some more? They have to make sure he has the right to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just anybody. Not everybody. uh, I'm sorry, Angie, what? He has to have the means to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Financial means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we look at Boaz and he had all of that, right? Yeah. Yes, he did. Right. At the very beginning of Ruth, Boaz is defined as a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech. Elimelech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a tongue twister. 
<laughs> oh man. So you know, <laughs> we're we're on Zoom. Stuff yes. happens. Yeah. Can we, um, go, can we go back to the threshing floor just for a second and, mm-hmm. and why he didn't, why he told her to kind of sneak out and get away? There were a lot of cultural things about what you did in public and in front of witnesses in Jewish law. And so mm-hmm. if a man wanted to marry a woman, he had to publicly declare that intention. And so Boaz didn't really have the right to publicly declare that intention on the threshing floor. Because mm-hmm. there was a close kinsman <laughs> redeemer, um, so I think there there was some cultural stuff there. He's like, you know what? We can't we can't announce this intention to anybody right now. So you need to sneak out, go back to Naomi's, and then let me take care of it from here. Mm-hmm. So then he has to go to the to the nearer kinsman and make that offer. Mm-hmm. That's not the most romantic proposal out there, by the way. <laughs> I know. Definitely not. Here's a big bag of barley. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Get up off the cement. Go on home. Yeah, not the most romantic proposal ever. No, but um, he kept her at the threshing floor as well through the night. Mm-hmm. You know, the threshing floor was outside the city walls and outside the limits, and there would be no protection for her walking through the mm-hmm. streets of the city at night is not a good idea. So I like the way that he told her to stay there, you know, till it's just about dawn, early dawn, and no one can see you, then go quickly home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's already protecting yeah. her and taking care of her. Obviously, he has that willingness. I mean, he responds with, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Yep. You know, and he is showing that right from the very beginning, that he is protecting her. Yep. Yep. And so, so God, God is willing. He gave, willingly gave Jesus. Jesus willingly took it upon himself. And... um not not only willing, but he wanted to do it. It's like, you know what he said, I lay down my life for these people. No one's taking it from me. I'm giving it. I, I'm giving it willingly to redeem these people that I love. So. Mm-hmm. And he had the power. None of us has the power. Right. We don't have the power to do that. It, it's the perfect lamb that could be the sacrifice for our sins. And not one of us, uh, we were, we were um, looking through this, it's like not one of us has the power to redeem another person. Only Jesus Christ, because he's the perfect lamb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Psalm 49, verse 8, it says, no payment is ever enough. Mm-hmm. No payment is ever enough for, the man, for a man's life. Right. But Jesus gave his own. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting as you're saying that I'm, I'm just struck by, you know, like with murder and all the stuff that happens. It's like, that's why it's such a big deal. I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. But it's like, uh, this is like the spiritual part. There's no payment for that. This person's life has been bought with the blood of Jesus. 
and then if they're just trashed or you know disre- you know disregarded I, I I can just see where it really makes a difference. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it has that extra weight on it. That way, I think I, I, you know. Like I'm going back. To, I'm going to still fight about my. It was it was today. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> thinking it was the day. I mean, there's so many things he gives her barley. I mean, how hot is that? And then he does all these amazing things for her. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Naomi was probably helpful, but I think she knew who Boaz was. And that's a piece. We know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. We know who he is. And so we know that um, we can wait. And, and Jesus doesn't promise today, but, um, you know, but he's promised, he does promise he's with us all. And things come into fruition in God's timing, not necessarily our timing. And it makes sense. Um, I'm realizing sometimes when I work for client with clients, I'm like, oh, oh, this could be their breakthrough. I know they need to learn this. This is so exciting. And then they don't do it, right? And it's like, oh, because you know what? They needed to know this other thing too, that they are okay. They don't have to do things. It's an option and they have choices. And they, you know, it, it's... Um, I get excited of what I think it should be, but the truth is waiting on God to let it all come to fruition because there's a multiple lessons that need to happen along the way. I do that in my life, not just with clients, but it's, I think, Oh, I should have this all figured out. And it's like, Nope, not necessarily. There's other things I need to learn before I get to this point. So I can see why God likes the waiting and how he uses it. But, but I don't see it when I'm right in the middle of it. You know, don't we see that for our kids too? You know, our kids are doing all these things and we're like, yes, they're going to take, they're going to clean their room. (laughs) I know Suzanne's looking at me going, no, that didn't happen. No, no, I know that never happened with my kids either. Teenagers have a whole different, maybe, listen, maybe they are cleaning and you see my air quotes here, cleaning their room. But the definition of cleaning for a teenager is far different than my definition. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. But that is one of those things that they have to wait and learn on. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that over time and practice and um, repeated instruction, they finally learn. Like I remember growing up, my mom was always, you know, if we had to dust you would dust around things. And my mom was like, pick up the stuff and you have to dust underneath it. And I was like, why? There was no dust under it. And she said, because that's how things get actually clean, you know, because the dust builds up around it or whatever. So I just did it because that's what I had to do. And if I didn't do it, then I had to redo it, you know? And the first year we were married, Chris was dusting something and he didn't, pick the stuff up and dust underneath it. And I was like, you have to dust underneath it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm my mom, you know? But then it was like, oh, this makes sense. So my mom for, you know, 15 years saying to me, this is how it has to be done. And this is why it has to be done. It didn't click the why and the, you know what, this really is the right way to do it. It didn't click until after I was married. Good heavens. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I, th- and I remember calling my mom and saying, Hey, I get it now. Thanks. Awesome. You know, <laughs> um, but how many times do we do things like that with God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we try to take the shortcut. Shortcut. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah my rule was yeah. if you guys touched the China thing, you'd have to dust it. So it was, they stayed away from all the China and breakables. <laughs> You're so smart, Rosemary. I, I'm telling you. I wonder if it's a little harder for us in the patience department than maybe it was for some past generations because we don't have to wait for anything anymore. Before there were mass, before there was any kind of mass communication like the telephone, you had to write a letter and you had to wait for the letter to get where it was going mm-hmm. and then you had to wait for that letter or a response to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the telephone came and that was a little easier, except if you were still calling New York to ask for something, it still had to be shipped from New York. So that was still a little slower. And now we've got Amazon next day delivery. Right. You know, we go on the computer, we order it. And the next morning it's at our doorstep. So we're not very practiced patience anymore. We haven't had true. Right. That's a good point. In the old timey church, people used to go to the altar and wait on the Lord. You know, if you needed an answer from God, you didn't expect it the minute you asked for it. You learned, you waited, you practiced waiting on him to get that answer. Mm. And I don't think, you know, in the modern church, I don't even think that occurs to us that we've got to wait on the Lord for his answer. We ask and we want to, you know, we want it. That is such an important thing, Angie, what you just said. Um, it's, it isn't just in the waiting that we just kind of like distract ourselves. We do other things. It's waiting on the Lord means coming to Him, coming mm-hmm. before Him, in his giving Him the focus. Yeah, being in His presence. And I think you're really right. I think we've lost that ability to do that. Because when we read all these scriptures that were in the homework about, um, about what happens when we wait, be strong and let your heart take courage. Don't fret. Cease from anger. Keep his ways. He will save you. He heard my cry. He favors those who fear him. We'll gain new strength. We'll run and not get tired. We'll walk and not be weary. We won't be put to shame. I read all those are things that happen when we wait on God. Mm-hmm. And so what are we missing out on if we're not waiting in his presence for his answers? Um, we're not just maybe waiting on the answer. We get so much more in the process of that waiting. It's that opportunity to come before him. Be with him. There's way more in waiting than I ever realized. Thank you. This is, this is pretty important for me. Well, mm. just like Suzanne's mother, she kept saying the same thing. Pick it up and dust right. it. Pick it up and dust it. But it took 15 years before that really came <laughs> together, or however right. many years it was, um, for it to to really mean something to Suzanne. So, but in a, in a way she was waiting. She was waiting for the fullness of time for those lessons that her mother taught her to connect. Um, and I think that that's a really important piece of connecting to God. We've got to be willing to go before him and just wait in his presence, um, knowing that he has the answer and that he'll give the answer if we'll be obedient and wait for it. Waiting is so much not about time. I think I've always thought about it as time, but it's about where my focus is. That's good, Rosemary. Mm-hmm. But that, well, that's kind of the, um, where was it? Isaiah 30? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Where it says, woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming mm-hmm. an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin. 
And he, it goes on, but it's like you're expecting Pharaoh to protect you. You're expecting this to protect you. And you're looking to all these worldly things. Mm-hmm. It's like, look to me. That's what waiting's about. Yeah. It's about stop looking to you. Stop looking at this world. Yeah. The other verses in there too, like um, because uh, Abraham and Sarah didn't wait, yeah. then right. Ishmael first, which was not God's choice. And um, then came Isaac, the, you know, the son that was God had planned. Mm-hmm. And those two factors have been warring ever since then. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is centuries, centuries and centuries, centuries of warfare and enmity between yeah, the nations. Because yeah. they did not wait for God to fulfill his promise to them in his own time. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it, waiting is hard, but um, I have a friend. Real quick, I have a friend who her husband didn't come into the church service, and she always saved a spot for him on the row on the um, mm. aisle, that first chair. Year after year after year after year, and it it never became just because to her. She was praying to God earnestly and waiting for the day when he would come and sit with her in church. And um, while we were there, still still going to that church, he did not. But at some point he did after we were gone. You know, we've, I've been in touch with her a few times and I've never heard the whole story. But um, their relationship was redeemed and she waited years for it. But she's so happy Mm. To be in a good relationship with her husband. And he is in a relationship with the Lord too. And um, she's like, you know what? It was well worth the wait. So that she saved a seat for him. I think that's so cool. What an an obvious action, Mm -hmm. a declaration to the whole world that she believed that God was going to come through and bring her husband. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. And she waited, like I said, years, but eventually it happened. So God's timing. And I wonder if there were things she needed to learn in that process of depending on the Lord. Like if there were other things that she gleaned just from that faith walk mm-hmm. and stepping out in faith like that by having that chair available. That is so cool, Terry. It was a good story. She's, she's an mm-hmm. awesome woman of God. So I'm sure he strengthened her through that time mm-hmm. and comforted her if she was looking to him. Right. If she was only looking to her husband. She right. wouldn't have seen all that. Yeah. Right. And like you said, the time that she spent in earnest prayer, mm-hmm. the time that she spent with the Lord, you know, praying for him and for that to happen, that was a lot of time spent in prayer with God. Yeah. So that's that's always good. And it really it makes that difference when while we are waiting, we are looking to him, we are resting in him, we are sitting with him. Because there are lots of different ways to wait, too. We can be like Rosemary, you said, I don't remember exactly what it was earlier, but um, like a distracted waiting, right. you know, are you going to be the the pacing waiter where you just are back and forth and back and forth and real anxious about it? Are you going to be the busybody waiter where you are going to get yourself into everybody else's business because your business is not where you want it to be? Are you going to be the, 
finger tapping waiter where you just sit there and you're like, okay, God, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. Or are you going to sit and you're going to rest in him and say, okay, Lord, this is my time for waiting with you. So how do you want me to proceed? That's how we should be. Mm -hmm. So, So in looking at that, like how do we know when to take action and when to wait? Like Sarah, I'm looking at that and it's like, she was the, I will accomplish this for you, God waiter. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. she didn't wait. She took it into her own hands. And so, but it's hard to know sometimes when we have something big in front of us, how do we know when to go? And we, her situation did seem like there's no other way. Mm-hmm. This is the only way that this could happen because every other avenue is closed. Mm-hmm. So this must be the, the way we're going to do it. This she's must be well, what God meant. Yeah, she's well beyond childbearing years. So yeah, in her natural thinking, she's like, well, it's not possible with me, so it must be another way. Right. Instead of waiting to see what God's timing was. And you're right, Suzanne, that's, that's where the rest comes in mm-hmm. and the peace um, of being able to just... Um, sit in that relationship with God and just wait for his, his timing. Because I think he'll always let us know when the right time is, if we just wait for him and we're looking for it. Mm-hmm. So. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's how we know whether to go or, or wait or, mm-hmm. or step back. He lets us know because the, the purpose of it is him. Right. It's not us getting what we're going after. That's not the purpose of it. That's in front of us so that we come before him. He'll let us know. If we're continually doing that, he'll let us know. Because mm-hmm. I can see a lot of pride in, in taking it in, taking it on my own, you know, like I'm going to do it. And he might need to break that down and say, hey, you know what? This isn't the game, Rosemary. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. God, the other part is, because God isn't about giving us things that we want. God is about us. And He's about turning us into, into um, people who are fulfilled, people who are um, connected to Him, people who are um, fulfilled. When I say fulfilled, I mean like with Jesus. We're being conformed into We're the being dear Son. That's yes. what everything, the end point of everything that happens in our lives is that is to conform us into Jesus's image, um, to make us one with him, to make us look so much like him that people see him when they look at us and hear him when we speak. Um, so if, if we look at that as the end game of everything that happens to us, that's a pretty awesome um, goal that, that's lying out there at the end for us. It's the only goal. Yeah. And when I look at that, and I look at that in, in light of Ruth, it's going to happen today, I'm telling y'all. <laughs> we may not see the end ending, but today we have that chance to be redeemed by our kin- kinsman redeemer mm-hmm. so that we can be conformed into him just, just a little bit more today. That that's the real game. That's really important, you guys. Sweet, Rosemary. It is. I'm crying now. Mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> because I get touched by how Jesus really, I don't know, it's by, he's ultimately always for us, 
always, 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 even when I don't see it, I turn around my blah, 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 and I turn around and it's like, oh my goodness, the level of love that happens. I look at Boaz now, how much he loved Ruth. He wanted to make sure everything went right for her. I look at Jesus and it's like, he has an ultimate plan for us. And it's good. And it's fulfilling. It's like all that barley. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's good. Thanks. Well, that's a great way for us to end things for the day. Ruth chapter three. Um, Carrie, do you want to pray for us? After that, end of I'm the not, week. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. You can do it, Terry. Yeah. Okay. Oh Lord, we're just so thankful for your presence today. And um, sometimes it doesn't even seem like we're really in separate homes. Um, this um, on our devices with this Zoom, because definitely you're here with us in the midst of us, is revealing things about yourself to us, and we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful that you are our ultimate Kingsman Redeemer, Father. That um, Jesus, that you have redeemed us, and all we have to do is just say yes to you, to ask you to come and be our Redeemer, and you gladly say yes to us and you gladly redeem us and bring us into your family, into your security, your peace and your love. And um, just pray that there's anyone out there today that doesn't know you as their redeemer, that they would um, feel a little tug on their heart and the Holy Spirit is calling them to come to you. And we pray that they would take that step just simply giving themselves over to you and saying, yes, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you to be my redeemer. And Father, I just pray that um, if anyone does pray that, they'll just feel the peace that is beyond our understanding right away in their lives and know that you are there and that you are real. We thank you for your word. We thank you how um, you reveal yourself in every single story that we read in this Bible, and we just thank you that you want us to know you, and we pray that we would know you more and more as we study in your word and um, grow in friendship with each other. We ask you to just bless every single person listening, Lord, and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs>